Well, it's good to be with you once again. I want to say thank you to Chris for last week uh, taking care of bringing the good word of God to our people. And uh, we thank you for sending us to the coast. Uh, a bunch, a number of us were suffering for Jesus on the coast this last week. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, we, we, we toiled uh, tremendously. And uh, no, it was really wonderful. We were at Morro Bay for our pastors and well, they call it leadership meeting now. And uh, that's always a wonderful, beautiful place. And then we went up to Cambria and had, had our girls and their guys with them come and, and be with us. And so we got to spend some time with family. It was really wonderful. It's been a while since we've done that. And uh, then again in November, we'll get, uh, we'll get to do that not exactly that again, but we're going to get to be in Topeka. <clears throat> so we'll see our son. And uh, right after our revival here starts next week. Don't miss that. First thing on Sunday morning and uh, with Rob Songer. And we'll do revival till Wednesday. And then Lynn and I leave at 5 in the morning on Thursday and drive to McCook, Nebraska, and then into Topeka and do another revival there at Wanamaker with, uh, with Kip Laxon. You remember Kip. We've had him for three years. We're going to be doing revival with him. And then we'll go through Wednesday of that week and I'll get back in the car. She'll fly home on Sunday. I'll get back in the car and start driving. And so it's just going to be a crazy two weeks. It'll be wonderful. It's going to be fantastic. I hope you'll come out uh, unashamedly every service for revival. It's going to be a great time. We're going, we're encountering God is what we want to do. And we've talked to Rob about that and he's going to be bringing some great messages. So plan on that. I just want to say good morning, church. It's so good to be back. Some of you told me you're glad to have me back. Some of you just ignored that one, and but it's all right. It's it's good to be home anyway. No, you guys are always wonderful about all that, but uh, we do want to remind you, we need you out here on this Thursday night because we're doing a big, it's our fall festival, hayrack ride, there's bouncies, there's food out here, all the kind of, everything you can imagine, trunk or treat for the kids, and and Julie, she's she's an animal. She She went out and she got... Uh, our flyer okayed through the district, and so we printed up 1,900 flyers, and they went out to every school in Tehachapi, and so we're planning on a great crowd, and uh, we're going to have them out. She's got a way she's going to be getting their names and numbers and blood types and all that kind of stuff, and so uh, uh, she wants to see more kids, and she had one of the largest crowds she's had Wednesday night ever, and it's just all happening. It's wonderful. We're, thanks be to God, but come on out. Help us round people up. We have a way. I don't have it on. We have a way to show that you belong in our thing. we got wristbands that say, uh, um, it really doesn't matter, does it? it? Well, it does. It says transform lives, and then on the back side it says uh, tnaz.org, and you'll get one of those when you come in. We know the Thomases, they love those things. You already have one, don't you? He's got his on, or uh, maybe. So anyway, we'll be giving those out, and that's to get the word out, have people go to our website and check us out. So it's going to be a great time. I could go on and just finish up with announcements, but I, don't, I think we'll get into the word if that's all right with you. This morning... The reading of God's Word is from uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 of Luke. Let's stand together for just a moment as we read uh, Luke 18, 1 through 8. It simply says this. <clears throat> now, he was telling them a parable to show them that all... Don't you like it when they tell you right up front why I'm going to tell you this? Because other times it feels like we're just kind of beating around the bush, you know, you know. But here he just says it. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. 
to pray and not lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, and he did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she, she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, She's a pain. She's bothering me. I will give her legal protection. I put that she's a pain in there. That's not God's word. I just added that. But, but, but she bothers me. I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? And, and will he delay long over them? I tell you, he says, that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a question. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're grateful for your word. Would you pin it to our hearts? Help us, Lord, to, to, to see how different you are than this judge, Lord. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I often find things online that sort of pique my interest, and, and, and instead of telling us who we should vote for or how we should see things or what we should think, we can simply observe some interesting things and then ask questions. Recently, I came across this posting. It was called, Things I Really Don't Understand. Things I Really Don't Understand. It had a list of questions for which there seems to be no clear-cut answer. Here are just a few of them. Number one, why do doctors and lawyers call what they do a practice? <laughs> Would you go to the mechanic if it said, you know, Joe's mechanics were practicing you know, you probably wouldn't take your car there, right? Well, that's just in my thinking. Uh, why is abbreviation such a long word? <laughs> you you, you got you to catch up. They're going to come. Why is it that when you're driving and looking for an address, you turn down the volume on your radio? <laughs> I can't find the address. The radio's too loud, right? Right, right? Why is a boxing ring square? What was the best thing before sliced bread? Was it just bread? How do they get the deer to cross the highway at those yellow signs? How did a fool and his money get together in the first place? Well, questions like these, they're super lighthearted, and, and there's, uh, they're just a humorous reminder that there are indeed a lot of things in life that we just really don't understand. I don't know. If you've got it all figured out, let me know because I want to sit with you and just talk for a while because it seems about the time you think you've got it figured out, things change and shift again. But let's take it, uh, uh, take it to a deeper and a more challenging level by sharing uh, with you a, a poignant and, and a heart-wrenching poem written some years ago by a 12-year-old boy as a tribute to his older brother who had just died from acute meningitis. Uh, their family had been on a trip to Rome. They were traveling by train through the Alps. It was a wonderful experience for all of them until the older son, he became quite sick one afternoon. And he had body aches and severe chills. And the family, they just assumed that he was just sick with the flu or a cold or something. And just 24 hours later, he was gone. And when the family finally returned home, the, boy, the boy's 12-year-old brother wrote a tribute to his, his older brother, which he entitled, A Boy 13. The following is what he wrote. Uh, he had red hair, was thin and tall. One could never eat as much as he. He hiked the Sierra 
went backpacking and even planned a trip for the whole family. He was five foot nine inches tall. I remember very well looking up, and there he was with the train window down, his head a little ways out with the wind blowing through his red hair as he watched the Alps passing by. He was my brother, my only brother, one I could play basketball with, someone I could talk to. Then on February 6th, he died. He, my older brother, my only brother, the one I planned to backpack with, the guy I wanted to sled with, someone I could talk to, my brother who was five feet, nine inches tall, tall and thin with red hair, the boy that was 13, he died. He died because he happened to breathe in some bacteria that probably could only be seen under some special microscope. I guess all I can say is I loved him. I needed him. I miss him, and I don't understand. I don't understand. You ever feel that way? I don't understand. Uh, my mom simply, simply puts it this way. Rob, it sucks to get old. <laughs> She's 83, and that's what she tells me these days. And I say, yeah, I can feel it, Mom. I can feel it. But can't we all empathize with the 12-year-old boy who was missing his older brother so terribly, who, who just couldn't understand why his older brother was so suddenly taken from him? There, there are just so many things in life that we just we don't understand, we'll never understand, that, that we just can't even comprehend. For example, we, we don't really understand disease. I mean, the doctors, they kind of get it, but we don't understand why it gets us or why it doesn't. Why is a, a youngster that's perfectly healthy for 13 years of his life and then suddenly it just happens to be in the, the place, or wrong place, right time, he encounters some germ or bacteria that invades his body and destroys it. We, we just don't, we don't understand accidents. They just happen. They're, they're random. They're indiscriminate. You start out one day like the other day, and, and then tragedy in a matter of seconds. It doesn't take long. Split second, and life is forever different, changed in the blink of an eye, and you don't never, you can't never go back beyond that accident. It forever impacts your life. On and on we could go with our list of things that we don't really understand. Why is there so much pain in our world? Why do good people suffer? Why, why do we hurt one another? Uh, why, why can't we just all get along? And why do my prayers seem to go unanswered? These are all difficult questions that prompt us to raise yet another critical question, crucial question. What can we count on from God? Can we? Can we count on him? We sang the song, I'm counting on, I'm counting on God. Can we? When we face troubles of all kinds in our world, the, the heartaches of life, the tough challenges and of this existence, what can we count on from God? How do we deal with these challenges and the, the pain that we go through in life? Do we just wish things were better? I wish it would get better. Or do we hope that it will get better one day? I, I hope, I hope. Uh, uh, there are some who will even read the tea leaves or get their fortunes told or they'll just roll the dice. Who is it that answers who can you and I count on for the big answers in life? Whether life is good or whether we face insurmountable challenges, there is an answer for us today. Our parable in Luke 18, it points us toward that answer. 
At first glance, the parable is confusing to a lot of people. It sounds really strange when we first hear it, when you, when you look at it. There are two people involved here, an unjust, arrogant judge, and there's a humble but persistent woman. And the judge, he, he ignores her at first, but he finally grants her justice because she's so persistent. She won't give up and she won't go away. So eventually he gives in and comes through for her. Now for a moment, let's, let's hurry and point out that Jesus was not suggesting that God is like that judge. Not at all. Jesus is pointing out that God is, is as different from that judge as day is from night. He, he's not saying how much alike they are. He, he is contrasting them, contrasting them. This might be called a, a, a how much more parable. How much more parable. Jesus was saying, if a selfish, arrogant, unfeeling, unjust judge can help you if you ask, then how much more can God who loves you intensely help when you ask him to help you? We can use this kind of how much more analogy all the time. We, we tend to. Uh, for example, imagine that a, a woman would, would come and tell me of something that bad that has happened or that she's done, and the woman, she's truly repentant, remorseful, sorrowful, and ashamed, and she's heartsick over the wrong that she has committed. She confesses it in full detail, and then she asks, how can God still love me after the terrible things that I have done? And then I say to her, well, you've told me all about it, and my heart goes out to you. I truly want to help you. I don't want you to be condemned. I don't, I don't want you to, to condemn or to fuss or to criticize. I'm not going to do any of that to you. I just want to help you make a new start with God that, that's best for your life. Forgiveness is here now. Receive it. Now God accepts you. God hasn't left you. He doesn't say, well, I'm done with you and, and, and neither do I for that matter. So, so accept what God has given to you. Fully accept the love of God for your situation today. Now, if I'm capable of that kind of love, that kind of care, that kind of concern, how much more is our God who is, is the Lord of life, the Lord of love, how much more is he loving and forgiving than any one of us? That's what we have here. It's a how much more parable, a contrast parable. If that unjust judge can help you when you ask, how much more can God help you? Luke makes sure that we know that the what the parable is all about. He introduces it by saying he spoke to them in a parable to show them that they should keep on praying and never lose heart. Have you ever got there? Have you ever just thought, or, or maybe sometimes we just get so worn out and we just forget to keep praying about that. I'm going to keep praying about that, and then, then I feel bad later. I, I forgot to be praying about that. We kind of move on at times. But he says to keep on praying and never lose heart. This parable means that we should be patient. That's not easy, is it? Lord, grant me patience now. Uh, I want it now. Not losing heart, that we never give up, that we keep on trusting because we, all of us, every one of us can count on God. God will come through for us. He will. Now, with all that as a backdrop for our consideration, I just want to share with you very quickly three things that we can count on from God this morning. First of all, number one, we can count on God to hear us when we pray. We can count on God to hear us when we pray. You see, when we pray, when we bring our needs and, and our concerns, by the way, it's in your bulletin. And forgive us for the date. We're, we're still getting used to some new office 
procedures and people, and, and, uh, and this wasn't even Randall, and she didn't get it wrong. I made that up for her, and I didn't put the right date. So just scratch that date out. Somebody asked if we'd go home today because the wrong date's on there. But um, So it's in the first panel of your bulletin. You can fill these in that we can count on God to hear us when we pray. See, our prayers are not done in a vacuum. We are not speaking empty words into thin air, and we are not just talking to ourselves. No, we, we are visiting and speaking directly with God himself. And he is leaning forward. I want you to picture in your mind, God is leaning forward wherever you would put him. Sometimes we put him way up there. But wherever he's at with us, he's leaning forward to listen to us. He wants to hear what we have to say. He is attentive and interested. Our prayers are not a conversation. Uh, they, they are a conversation with a very personal God. Prayer is our dialogue with our God. Simply put, prayer is friendship with God. And he wants to hear what we are asking, what we are bringing before him. So we can talk to God. We can walk. uh, We we, we could uh, talk like he's our best friend and know that he hears us and he understands and he loves us like our best friend, which, of course, he is our best friend. My best, my best friend that I grew up with since second or third grade, his name's Randy, and we've been uh, through absolutely anything and everything you can imagine together. We sang in choirs throughout all of our growing up years together, and as we entered adulthood, we continued to sing uh, together and do just about everything that we ever did together. We were with each other uh, weekly, probably more than we were with our own families And as we got married and we started out into our lives, we somehow all along the way until just recently, we ended up only one hour from each other, no matter what state we seem to live in. It's different now. (laughs) When we would get together, we would tell the same stories over and over. In a minute, you'll see Lynn going, hmm, hmm. We say, hey, remember when, when we did this and remember when we did that and remember when you said this or said that? How in the world... Can we remember that small, tiny detail about the things that we did together when we were 15 years old when we can't even remember where we put our keys last night? I'll never know, but we can tell the stories detailed, every little story of the things that we did. There were times Randy would say, do you remember when you said this or that? Do you you remember talking to our youth pastor and he said X, Y, or Z? And and we we could talk like that all night long. In fact, Lynn and the kids and his kids the same. They could probably tell all the stories. They weren't there but they've heard them enough to tell those stories. But you see, there's a reason why they can tell those stories. There's a reason why Randy and I can tell those stories together because we all listened to each other. We were listening. We listened. We heard and, and what was said, when it was being said. We listened. You see, God listens to us like that. God hears us like a best friend when we pray. He's ever listening to us, to our heart's cry, to the things that concern us most. So we can pour our hearts out with all our pain and all of our questions to him, and he will and does listen. He may not always uh, do precisely the way that we ask him to. Have you found that to be true, that he doesn't always do exactly the way you're praying? Sometimes, Lord, it hurts. Would you take the hurt away? It could be physical or emotional. Take it away. It hurts. It doesn't go away. 
Is he listening? He's listening. He's pressing in. He's hearing. He is ready and willing to hear with love. He's not like the unjust judge who just listens with a tin ear. He, he finally, he, he, and then he finally gives in just to get rid of us. That's not our God. God listens and hears us with a compassionate ear and the caring heart just like a best friend would. Hear the word of the Lord today. 1 Peter 3, 12a says this, For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend their prayer. He is ever watching and listening to us. Aren't you grateful for that? That's what our God does. 1 John 5, 14 says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he'll give it to us just like a dad to his kid. No, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't say that, does it? No, don't get that wrong. It says that according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He hears what we're saying. The apostle John, one of the disciples who was the closest to Jesus, he shares this advice with the early church. You see, we can have the confidence that when we pray that God hears us, our God is listening. Our God, he hears. He's listening for our heart's plea. We can count on him. Hear the words of the prophet Jeremiah in 29, 12, and 13. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, the word of God confirms it this morning. It's just a fact that God is listening to us. He hears our prayers. We find him. We we find his will for our lives when we seek him, when we pray persistently, when we seek him, we find him. So you see, number one, we can count on God to hear us when we pray. And number two, we can count on God to be with us when we are hurting. We can count on God to be with us when we are hurting. Doesn't it just seem like it's easy to feel the presence of God, especially right here when we're all together singing and worshiping together, especially in the beautiful and the sacred and the lovely places of life or in the situations where we are on top of our game and everything is just going our way. Everything's coming up roses, you know. Most of us don't have that these days, do we? They're coming up. You know, dandelions, lots of those, but, but they're still a flower. I, I pointed at something in our yard the other day. I said, because Lynn's going to plant some new flowers, and I said, there's some in our garden right now. And she goes, well, they're yellow. <laughs> but they also have the big round things that you go and blow everywhere, and your neighbors love you for it. But, uh, it, yeah, it, 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 and everything's coming up roses and beauty. It's wonderful. But the truth is this. God is never more near to us than when we are hurting When we're experiencing pain, time after time, we've heard people say it just like this. This is the hardest thing we've ever gone through. Our hearts are broken, but we will be all right because God is with us as never before. I've never sensed his presence like I have when I've been in pain or been going through a challenging or difficult time. This was the worst thing we've ever gone through, but we could feel the prayers of the church family or those that were close to us. It's a time where we felt so close to God, our God walks us through this situation that we're going through. One little boy put it this way, why are all the vitamins in spinach and not in ice cream where it belongs? Isn't that the way it ought to be? Why can't it be flipped the other way? Get all my vitamins through my peanut butter chocolate ice cream. You see, we may never know the answer to this. We'll have to ask God about that. But we do know that vitamins are in spinach, and God is uniquely and especially with us when we are hurting. 
there are at least two reasons. First, we seemingly are more open to God when we are in pain. I don't know why that is. I think it's because we, we know that there's a need beyond that that we can accomplish ourselves. Anytime that we're in pain or in great need, we're just seemingly more receptive to his help, more aware of our need of him. I don't like to say it, but when we are hurting, our need for him is intensified, and we cling to being nearer to him than ever anything ever has brought us that close to him before. And then second, God is like a loving parent who wants to be especially close to his children when they are hurting. That's how God sees us. I remember vividly when Rebecca was just that little tiny baby. She became sick and coughed continually. And she, it started out as a cold or a flu, and it turned into uh, to something worse. And Lynn took her to the doctor, and the doctor said, you go straight to the hospital now. It was that important. We found out later, I think it was RSV. Is that what it was? Respiratory? We would watch her from outside of a tent that they put her in as the nurses would beat on her back to loosen what was in her lungs. We were tired and scared, and, but one of us would be staying right by her side. We wanted to be close to her. I don't want to leave. i got to go to work, but I'm coming right back, and then you got to go to work, and we worked it out. Sometimes we'd, we'd go to work, but we had to be right back to be close to her, near her during the great time of need. And it was heart-wrenching for her screaming and crying as they beat on her back. You see, God is like that, a loving parent. He's not a harsh judge. He's more like a loving parent who wants to be especially close to his children when they are hurting. Psalm 34, 18 says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're feeling heartbroken or beat down today, you may be coming to a time where you sense God's closeness like never before. If you're feeling that way, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, it puts it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able. Why is it that he does that? He comforts us in our affliction. Why is it? So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, when we hurt, when we suffer, when we are reeling from where we are, what, are, what we're going through and, and we're in great distress, our God is with us and he hears us. You see, we can count on God to hear us when we pray and we can count on God to be with us when we are hurting and we can count on God to go with us wherever we may go. Wherever we go. Has he not been with us no matter what state we've ever lived in? Financial state like the union, no matter where we have found ourselves, with little or with a lot, he's always been there with us. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. Remember how the psalmist put it? He said it like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you, behold, you are there. If, if I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. You see, the unjust judge, he wants to get rid of us. He's worn out with our constant petition. He grows tired of the constant needs, the coming, the petitioning, but God wants 
to bring us into his love. His love has not any limits. It never wears out or becomes stretched thin. You may remember how the songwriter put it. He said, when you walk through the storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. He said, walk on, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. You'll never be alone or walk alone. May we know that today, that God is truly with us that his beautiful and his good news of the Bible, that's what it is, that he is with us throughout page after page within the word of God. It is the great promise of God's love letter to us. We can't count, we can count on him to go with us wherever we may go. Matthew one twenty three. it said this, we're coming into this season. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and he shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. This is the bringing of God's presence to man. Emmanuel is actually transliteration of the Hebrew into Greek, making a new Greek word from the, the sound of the Hebrew phrase, God with us. You see, we can count on God to go with us wherever we may go because of Jesus. God is with us because of Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, this is a statement not of a hope or a prayer. Matthew's use of the term, God is with us, it describes the nature of Jesus. He is God who has become human. It is God who has come to us. Notice we didn't have to go searching and seeking and finding after him. He came to us. With the judge, you must make an appointment. You must come into his court and petition, bothering him, wearing him down, frustrating him. But with God, he has come to us. And wherever we are this morning, no matter where we're going, what we're going through, we have an audience with God, and God is with us because of Jesus. Matthew wanted to show that the virgin conception was not something new, but that it had been predicted by the prophet Isaiah, that that God is now with the people to save them as the prophets have predicted. You see, this morning, don't let the enemy deceive you. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are no longer far from God. Estranged from him, we have been reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus. He does not dwell in a place, a building, or a location, but God is with us now, with each of us, wherever we go. Anywhere we may find ourselves this day, he is with us. God dwells within us. So you see, God has been gracious to his people by sending the Messiah. He has come. He is with us now. We can count on God to go with us wherever we may go. What can we count on today? We can count on Jesus. So keep on praying and don't lose heart. Do your best and trust God for the rest. One poet put it like this. It's only a tiny rosebud, a flower of God's design. But I cannot unfold the petal with these clumsy hands of mine. The secret of unfolding flowers is not known to such as I. God opens this flower so easily, but in my hands they die. If I cannot unfold the rosebud, the flower of God's design, then how can I have the wisdom to unfold this life of mine? So I'll trust in God for leading each moment of my day. I'll look to God for guidance each step of the way. The path that lies before me, only my Lord knows. I'll trust God to unfold the moments just as he unfolds the rose. In closing, I'll ask a question. 
How's life unfolding for you today? Have you trusted him fully? Are you trusting him for the path that lies ahead? I want you to know today as we prepare for our encounter services that are coming that you can count on God to hear you when you pray. And you can count on God to be with you when you're hurting. And you can count on God to go with you wherever you may go. Stand with me, will you? What are you counting on from God today? As I pray, I want you to pray also. I want you to lift whatever that need is to him. And you can do it with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as I pray. You can raise a hand and say, Lord, you know my need. As I pray, you lift your hand to the Lord. Share with him. He he leans in today. He wants to know. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for, for the life that you've given us. We recognize, Lord, you are so different than the the unjust judge. We don't wear you out. We don't stretch your patience thin, Lord. You are there listening and waiting for us to, to share with you what our need is this day. So, Lord, by way of raised hands, Lord, we lift up our needs to you today. As we prepare ourselves for the coming encounter services, Lord, I pray that you would begin to show us how you're meeting our needs. Lord, it doesn't always happen the way that we pray, but we know that you have our best interest in mind, and we lift that need to you today, whatever it may be. It may be physical, it may be spiritual, mental, whatever it may be, we bring it before you this day, and Lord, we call upon you, Lord, to meet us right where we're at, and Lord, may we know how different you are than that other judge. You don't judge us, Lord. You enfold us into your love and your care and your concern. We're grateful for that. Lord, share with us over these coming days as we leave this place just how you're working in our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You are always present in our lives. Help us, Lord, to stay and press into you. We give you glory and honor and all praise that you deserve this day for being our God, the one who is involved, who is with us, and you never leave us. Thank you, Lord. Bless as we go from this place. Meet the needs of your people, and we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful day. May you be blessed of God as you go.